Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good to be with you this morning. Um, I say this every time I teach, but if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, you need to go online. You need to watch the sermons. Um, there's just gold and pearls and wisdom and everything that we need to live and for life and, and for godliness that's been dropped every Sunday in this church. I think one of the biggest challenges with being in every nation is you feel like you need another six months just on one sermon to marinate, and then they hit you with another one. You're like, jeez, I'm just trying to get that one right. It's like we need to do a day of church and just spend the whole day, I don't know. But um, we've got to figure that one out. Um, but this one is it's not more important than the others, but it is deeply significant for your lives. So lean in. Um, let's, let's really just work with this because it, it really makes a fundamental difference to, to, to your future. We've been talking about the art of spirituality. We've been speaking about um, our, our spirit man, um, who we are as spiritual beings, and how we can bring the, the, the living waters that, uh, the, that um, God offers into our lives to make sure that our spirit is alive in Christ, um, alive in God. Um, and we've been talking about the fact that spirituality as an industry uh, in the world is really is growing. Uh, I think you just need to walk into exclusive books and look at that, that section of the, of, of, the, of the store or go online. And you can see that the, the spirituality industry is actually a thing now. Um, I was looking online and they're, they're actually estimating the worth of the spiritual industry. At, it was worth $192 billion in 2018. Um, and somewhere like two, two, 271 billion in 2024. Just the, the psychic business alone was worth 2.2 billion in 2019. People are searching. People are searching for answers, looking for peace, looking for fulfillment. Um, now you can become an energy healer or a spiritual coach, a psychic reader, a metaphysical teacher, a meditation guide, a mindfulness teacher, a past life regression hypnotist. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff happening here. Rocky, crystal, astrology forecaster. This is a thing. There's a whole industry built around something that God offers. Um, and um, we're here today to find out about what it means to grow in our spirituality through a relationship with Christ, um, through the Word. Um, but what really struck me as I was doing some research into this, and especially around those figures and everything, uh, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole, and, and, and one of the things that I saw was, what are people searching for when they find these solutions, when they find these practitioners, when they look for what, in essence, spiritual therapy? That's what it is. And the number one, uh, well, one of the main uh, Google kind of keywords that people are using to search for those things is depression. And that just speaks to where a lot of the world is at. It's like the rise of depression brings the rise of the spiritual industry. As people look beyond the normal medical ways of trying to deal with that to spiritual practices to solve that for them. And as a church, that should break us. Because when we talk about the living waters, we know that where there's living waters, there's no depression. Um, I was struck by Bethel's vision for their city overseas in Redding, California, where they wanted to create a, a cancer-free zone because of their commitment to healing. Churches should be depression-free zones. Churches should be depression-free zones. There's no place for depression when the living waters sit inside of our lives. We've got to fight for this together um, to really be alive in Christ. Where, where light is, there is no darkness. And so going back to my earlier comment, 
everything we've been speaking about is about your spirituality. Things to take seriously. In a way, the sermons have been creating an ecosystem. Uh, Wayne speaking about silence and solitude and then meditation, meditating on God's word and then the gratitude that we heard about last week. We're creating this ecosystem that we need to start to build and practice. It's not something that, well, let me just focus on this for this week and then I'll move on to this for this week. It's, It's like all intertwined in this daily practice that brings the living waters into our lives and roots out anxiety, roots out worry, roots out depression, roots out the stuff that is not of God. Because that's not what God wants for you, but we've got to, we've got to do the work, you know? We've got to lean in to, uh, to bring this stuff into, 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 into our lives. And so, Wayne, what you said earlier around just, you know, you keep coming. Just keep showing up. Keep, keep putting these things into play. So I'm really excited about this because we've been speaking about a lot of stuff that um, we've got to do during the day. I'm going to be talking about something we need to do at night. And it's sleep. Uh, I have a little picture of that represents sleep. I think it's the first slide there. Who needs more of that? <laughs> My daughter had a little party. She turned nine uh, yesterday. Ella turned nine yesterday. So we had a little party for her. And um, I was walking one of her friends up to, to uh, the guy that was fetching her. I said, hey, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? You know? It's a little nine-year-old. Said, I'm just going to sleep. I was like, what do you mean? Like for the whole day? He said, yeah, I'm just going to sleep. I was like, oh, okay. Well, lucky you. Because let me tell you, I've been up since like 3 o'clock this morning opening presents, and I am up for the rest of the day. So for, for many of you, this is your reality. Uh, but for many of us, it's not. Uh, and some of us want more sleep. Hey, who wants more sleep here? But I'm really going to be um, trusting for breakthrough in, in, in some of our lives today around this. And I just want to say sorry to any parents, because I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the parents in that room, and they're looking at this, and they're looking at their toddlers and their kids, and they're going, doesn't line up, all right. So this is about a lifetime of sleep, not this very present moment, okay, we're going to get this right, all right, guys. And to those online as well, um, yeah, just, um, our, our spirituality is not confined to daylight hours. We're spiritual beings 24-7. And really what I hope for today is that, you know, if we spend a third of our lives sleeping, if we live to 100, that's 33 years asleep. All those years that are wasted, is sleep pointless? What is, what is God up to with regard to our sleep? How did he design sleep? What are the benefits of sleep? What does it mean that we could actually be spiritual in our sleep? And I'm just hoping to open it up this morning. Disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional. Um, do your research with this. Um, I've read some incredible books around this. I've been studying this, and I've also been delivering this in my corporate um, uh, world as well. And I've been struck by the amount of times that I've been speaking about sleep, how many people have been coming back to me with really challenging scenarios around their ability to sleep. And I've walked away with the real conviction that people are struggling with sleep. Sleeping only a few hours at night, not getting quality sleep, insomnia, sleep anxiety, sleep disorders, relying on drugs to fall asleep and waking up feeling tired. Um, And so we're going to tackle this together and we're going to get a little bit practical as well about how to sleep better um, and uh, dive into what is in essence an unbelievable design that God has created for us to be able to sleep. So Father, as we pray tonight, I just um, ask for your word to pierce bone and marrow and I pray for everyone in this room that doesn't sleep well, Lord God, that this sermon and, 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 and your word will really touch them today. 
Thank you that you are with us 24-7, Lord God. In your name, amen. A while ago, I was flying home uh, from Joburg, I think, and we entered into a zone of quite hectic turbulence. You know what turbulence does in an airplane? Um, some people are okay with it, and others are absolutely freaked out. But this was quite bad. Um, and when I am in a flight and there's turbulence and stuff, I always close my eyes and picture that scene in Mark 4 where there was the disciples in the boat with Jesus. And they were just cruising, and all of a sudden this windstorm came up, and the boat was getting rocked around, and they were panicking and bailing water and freaking out. And I, I love that because what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. He was having a, a dose, you know, right in the front. His lights out. And so I always close my eyes in turbulence, and I just picture God sleeping in the boat, and it kind of brings calm, you know. It's, everybody's panicking around. You're just, you're just calm. But it's, it's a picture. It's a picture of what God offers us in a storm, the ability to sleep, the ability to be at rest, the ability not to be arrested by anxiety and worry and to be frazzled, but to be at rest and to be, a, to, to be asleep. Jesus slept. Jesus slept in the midst of the storm. And in scriptures, he actually speaks about the notion of sleep. And what I love about this first scripture in Psalm 127 verse 2, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. How's that? It is in vain that you eat the bread of anxious toil. It is in vain that you eat the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So sleep is a gift that God gives to those that he loves. And it starts to speak about the fact that it's in vain that we eat the bread of anxious toil. In other words, anxiety will keep you from sleeping. Worry will keep you from sleeping. And you see, you either... That person in the boat that's frazzled and can't sleep because of the storm. Or, like Jesus, you grab the gift and you go down, down next to him and you sleep. But sleep is a gift. And if it's a gift, we must embrace that gift. And we must open the gift up and bring that gift into our lives. All right? Um, Psalm 4 verses 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's beautiful. We spoke about Psalm 23 a little while ago. Remember the sheep sermon? We'll just call it that. How the sheep sleep in the pen because the shepherd is at the gate. And in Psalm 121, there's that line that says that he who watches over you will not slumber or sleep. You know what I realized about that? Jesus doesn't sleep so that you can sleep. So if you're not sleeping, you just got to hand that thing over. And say, thank you, God, that you're not sleeping because you're over all of the things that are keeping me from sleeping. You don't sleep so that I can sleep. God is at work while you're sleeping. This is incredible that this is what God gives us in this gift of sleep. Psalms 3, uh, Proverbs 3.24 says, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. This is not just about quantity of sleep. This is about quality of sleep as well, about the, the deep sleep that God brings into our lives. Ecclesiastes 5.12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Interesting. And so it speaks into the, this idea that it's not just anxiety, it's not just worry that keeps us from sleep. I don't want that to be the perception this morning, but there's other things that do keep us from sleep as well. Chasing idols, the busyness of the mind, the slavery to our careers, the slavery to climbing the corporate ladders, the, 
the, the chasing of everything else but the relationship with God. And these things, you know, come into our lives. And we know that we've spoken so much about technology. We're always on. We're always checking email. We're always connected to stuff. And that keeps us from entering into this quality sleep that God offers us. God offers us the ability to sleep. Now, this is not a sermon that's going to give you permission to sleep a whole lot more than the required seven to nine hours that we are needing as adults or eight to 10 as, children, as, as teenagers, okay? So two scriptures just to balance this cat image here. Proverbs 20, 13. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. And there will be plenty to eat. I know how this church loves to eat. We love to eat, every nation. We eat. All right, keep your eyes open. All right. I didn't want to use the scripture yesterday with my daughter's friend. She's only nine. It was a bit heavy. It's like, <laughs> got a while to go. Proverbs 6, 9 to 11. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? Have you ever asked that question? I used to go sleep in my cousin's house when I was young. I'm an early riser, like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. But my cousins, man, they would sleep till 11. And this would be my question. How long will you sleep? Jeez, I'm up for four hours here, like waiting for people to arise. It's just alone in the house as a youngster. When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcely will attack you like an armed robber. So this is not about sleeping all day. This is about sleeping at night putting our hand to the plow during the day and then sleeping well, doing the Lord's work, sleeping well, doing the Lord's work, sleeping well, a beautiful, beautiful cycle. Refreshing sleep, a restoring sleep, waking up invigorated, waking up with capacity, waking up alive, waking up with our brain ready to fire on all cylinders. Learn, study, grow, work, do things. Not that other wake up, we're like, Okay, so now I need you to take out your phones. We're going to do something here to cause and I have got a little, a, little, a little survey planned here. We're going to do a quick sleep audit online. You can take part in this as well. All right, if you've got your phones here, what I need you to do is to open up your browser. And, and sorry, it's not going to take much data for those of you, but don't, don't worry if you don't want to take part. And you're going to go to www.menti.com. That's what you're going to put in your browser, www.menti.com. And that is what is going to come up. This little box is going to come up. You can see that little box, all right? Looks like that, menti.com. So for those online, you just go to menti.com, and then you put in this code over here, 94390303. Don't do anything once you've gone through. 94390303. And a question is going to come up, so don't answer the question yet. menti.com, go to the code. Of course, we can pull the, the, um, the, the website across now. All right, and I'm going to ask you four questions, and you can see that the first question is asking you to rate the quality of your sleep. Just hold on again while we pull the website up, um, because we're going to see the answers right in front of us here. So yeah, I'm just going to click on present there, and wait a little bit while it sorts itself out, and uh, click on present again, sorry. Uh, yeah, there it is, okay. All right, there we go. You can click submit now. So rate the quality of your sleep. Number one, poor, broken sleep, all right? Poor, broken sleep. Number 10, quality, deep, restful sleep. So in general, what's the quality of your sleep like? All right, number one, poor, broken sleep. Number 10, 
quality, deep, restful sleep. All right, we'll just see what the quality levels of sleep are in the room. All right. So it's kind of building itself. It looks like we're sitting at six. So we can do a little bit better. There's a little bit more room for us to get some more quality sleep in. Huh? 30 people answered so far. Some more coming in. Don't close the voting. You can just leave it there. Um, all right. So we're sitting on six. Okay. So we're sitting on six. Right. I think as every nation, the vision should be that that's at least a solid nine or at least a solid ten. Huh? All right. Okay. Next question. Let's go on to the next slide. Do you have to use an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning mostly? All right, do you have to use an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning mostly? Yes or no? 12, straight out the bat, 12. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, we're not going to ask who uses snooze, but we've got 30. That's climbing. That's climbing on this side. There's a few of you that don't know, but of a good solid 48, 50 people that have answered 51, have we got 37 yes and 14, 14 no. All right. And I'm going to speak a little bit into this during the sermon. Okay, this is quite an interesting one. Next slide. Thank you. Um, how many hours, or sorry, what time do you go to bed? Right, between 7 to 9 p.m., 9 to 11, 11 to 1, and after 1 a.m. Who, 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 two, two of you, two of you are going to bed after 1 a.m. Come now. What exactly are you doing until 1 a.m.? Guaranteed a student. All right. All right, so the majority of us would probably sit in this ninth category. We had a couple of really early birds there. All right, absolutely. When I, my wife's one of those, like 8 o'clock, right. Bedtime, time to go to bed. All right. Okay, and then the last question is, um, how many hours do you sleep at night? This is the last question. How many hours do you sleep at night? Less than five? Between five to seven, seven to nine, more than nine. I'm waiting for that more, to, more than nine to go. Ah, oh, oh, only one. We need to find out who that is. <laughs> and ask them what they are doing that we can do. All right. So on average, we know that we need seven to nine hours of sleep, ideally eight. As I said, teenagers, eight to ten. We don't want this. Less than, less than, less than five. And I know there are some anomalies in this. Um, but really, these are, are pointing towards a couple of interesting things about sleep. So thank you, because you did so well there. Um, we're going to speak a little bit into, into God's design and link back to some of these questions here. So you can put your phones away now. Don't, don't go onto Instagram and TikTok. Okay. So the first thing about God's design around sleep is this thing called chronotypes. Chronotypes. And there's an image that I've got that just breaks chronotypes into these four different animals. Like, I don't know why everybody likes to use animals when it comes to these assessments. But what's quite interesting about this is that the majority of the world sit under the bear chronotype. You can actually go and do a chronotype test online. It's free. The guy who developed it will then spam you with a lot of marketing afterwards. Um, but it's actually some interesting stuff and, and some good stuff to read. But the bear chronotype is about 55% of the world's chronotype. But what it speaks about, which I thought was, was so fascinating, is that the majority of the world's systems are actually built around the bear chronotype. If you're going to look at a lot of the self-help stuff, it's the 5 a.m. club, wake up early, go to... Uh, even school starts really, really early. And um, the book that I've been reading, Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, 11-hour book on Audible, he actually he has a theory. He says, why do we start school at 8 o'clock? We're artificially waking up our children every morning, fighting with them to get them to school. But they need their sleep. Um, we should be starting school at 10 a.m., allowing them to wake up naturally and then letting them to get into, into school. Okay. 
No, Nosipo, not you. I'm talking about the school kids. All right. But the, the point is, is that you actually get, if you look at, at, at nature, if you take a herd of animals, for example, in a herd, some of the animals will sleep earlier and some of them will sleep later because of protection. Uh, even the dolphin, fascinating, and some other aquatic species sleep with half a brain because of vigilance. They actually can fill up half their brain, saturate it with sleep, and then switch over so that one half of the brain is awake and the other half of the brain is asleep. We actually can do the same thing if we go and sleep in a new environment a new hotel room or whatever, or wherever we might go, we actually can sleep with half a brain. But the problem with, that we have that with the dolphin, um, the benefit of the dolphin that we don't have is that we can't then switch over. So we actually don't get the benefit of sleep because we're sleeping almost vigilant throughout the night rather than going into a deep sleep. So the chronotype of the bear is really what, what the world is kind of built around. And these poor wolves, um, these are the people that like to go to bed very late at night and wake up early. And there's a lot of them out there. And they're having to use the alarm clock to get themselves out of bed and to go to work. And from Monday to Friday, they're fighting the system. And then on the weekend, they go back to their chronotype. And they have that late night and early morning. And then on Monday, they kind of go straight back into to waking up. And so they have to shift their circadian rhythms all the time and whatnot. And this is quite difficult for them. So there's diversity in how we sleep. Don't shun the person who likes to go to bed late and wake up late. It's actually part of our design. It's not laziness. It's laziness if they continue to sleep for the rest of the day, okay? <laughs> That's why our church doesn't just have prayer meetings at 5 a.m. They've also got prayer meetings in the afternoon as well. There's lots of ways that you can, uh, we, we built it around the chronotype specifically, hey? Yeah, yeah, that's how we, were, how we built it. Yeah, 100%. All right, then we've got circadian rhythms, right? So now I think chronotype, now we've got circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm is essentially your biological clock, right? Your biological clock takes its um, cue from your eyes. Okay? Your eyes perceive whether it's night or dark. That's right, night and dark, same thing. Day or night, all right? And there's this, um, I don't know why they always come up with these fancy words, but inside our... Um, uh, a region of our brain called the hypothalamus, you've got this thing called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. The suprachiasmatic nucleus, fascinating little thing. What the suprachiasmatic nucleus does, it, it can actually shift your circadian rhythm. All right, so your circadian rhythm is this 24 hour, it's actually a little bit over 24 hours, but 24 hour biological clock that happens. Um, and it takes its cues from the environment that you're in. And that's where we get jet lag from. If you get into the airplane and fly to Australia and you now, you've got nine hours out of your current environmental circumstance, when you land, your circadian rhythm is still in Durban. But now you're in Perth. And the eyes and the circadian rhythm, now they're not lining up. But your suprachiasmatic nucleus can only adjust your circadian rhythm by an hour a day. So if you've done a nine-hour flight, it can take up to nine days to get fully refreshed and in the zone. That's why airplanes often start that process by dimming the lights as soon as you take off and align the aircraft meals and lights with the time zone that you are flying to. But your circadian rhythm is, 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 is very important um, because of the way that it, it kind of governs this, this, this biological clock that you're in. And we've all got these slightly different circadian rhythms. So that's another thing about God's design. And you can see some of the things that happen. Melatonin is what uh, you know, helps us to get to sleep. Um, your bowel movements being suppressed and then waking up. This is going on throughout the day. Then the other thing to mention is just something called sleep pressure. And what sleep pressure is, is as you are awake throughout the day, you get a buildup of a chemical called adenosine. And that adenosine puts more and more pressure on you to sleep. 
And that's why at the end of the night or end of a long day, you start to feel this pressure to kind of go to sleep because the level of adenosine is raised. Now, what's fascinating about this is you've heard of that second wind. Well, some of you have pulled an all-nighter when you've studied. Um, I love my ultra running, so if I've been like gone, gone on, a, on, a, on a run and been running through the night in the morning, even though you've got this buildup of adenosine, the circadian rhythm still works. And it comes to the morning, and the, and the circadian rhythm says, oh, it's wake-up time, and you get the same chemical infusion that you would get. And so even though you haven't slept, you feel energized. Okay, but you don't want to do that for, for too long, because eventually it's going to build up to such a point. So that's just a little bit about this thing called sleep that God's designed. Chronotypes, circadian rhythms, this buildup of adenosine, really pointing to the fact that we want to get into our rhythm of sleeping, okay? But what happens when we sleep? And this is when you really start to see the beauty of what God does for us as we sleep at night. Now, there's essentially four stages of sleep. There's, and they're broken up into two categories. You've probably all heard of REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. All right, we'll talk about that just now. But then you get non-REM sleep or non-rapid eye movement sleep. And that non-REM sleep is broken down into three stages. So if you can picture this through the night, you've got NREM 1, NREM 2, NREM 3, deep sleep. Then you go back to NREM 2, NREM 1, and then into REM sleep. And then you go to NREM 1, two, uh, not exactly like this, it's... It's uh, towards the end of the night, you're doing less of the NREM3 and more of the REM. But that, that little cycle can take between 90 and sort of 120 minutes. And you want a nice solid four of those cycles happening through the night. So that's where we say seven to nine hours. We want these cycles to be happening as we sleep. So what are they? NREM1, that's the transition between wakefulness and beginning to go to sleep. How many of you... Uh, you know, if you've got a, if you, you, you're married and you, you sleep, you're lying next to your partner and they're falling asleep and then they go, hey, hey, you're like, whoa, have you had that? Or you like, jolt yourself as, oh, okay. Okay, that happens in NREM1. It's called a hip neck jerk. Hip neck jerk, all right? It happens in NREM1. All right, and remind, only lasts a, a, a few minutes. This is when your heartbeat and your breathing are starting to slow down. Your muscles are starting to relax. And it's this kind of zone between wakefulness and sleep. It's the last to sleep and it's the easiest to wake. And this is where the, the hypnic jerk can happen. All right. And then you get this NREM2 thing that happens next. And your heart rate and your breathing slows down even further. And you start to calm down. And the restfulness starts to come in. Your body temperature starts to drop. Lasts at almost about 25 minutes. And then you have a sleep spindle, a sleep spindle. Um, if you look up there, I mean, it's fascinating. So your brain waves are different in each of these different stages. But what is a sleep spindle? And it links so strongly to Wayne's sermon on meditation. Throughout the day, you're gathering information. If you're reading the scriptures, you're reading words, you're studying information, uh, you, you're taking all this in, it's going into your hippocampus, and it's like this bucket of, of, of information and stuff is getting filled up in this bucket. What a sleep spindle does is that particular brainwave aids the transfer of that information from the hippocampus to the cortex, which is to do with your long-term memory. So in essence, what's happening is God has designed your very own filing system, sorting files. There was a study done where they actually asked people to label information important and other information as not important. And they were finding that 
waking up in the morning, the information that was important would be filed correctly. And the information that wasn't important sometimes being forgotten. And at night, in the midst of this NREM2, you are essentially clearing out this hippocampus so that you can set it up for the next day of learning and taking in information. That's why sometimes it's counterintuitive to pull an all-nighter because if you learn something, then you go and sleep. Sleep aids learning. Sleep helps your brain file things, puts it into the right places, sorts it out. That's why I always, if I wasn't prepared for my exam the next morning, I was going to sleep. And now I'll know why, because I was letting the hippocampus do the work. I pitch up, everything's filed, ready to go. I can pull it from my cortex and put it straight onto paper, in theory. Didn't always work for me. Sleep spindles. Then you go into NREM3. This is slow wave sleep, deep sleep. This is where your heart beats and you're breathing at the lowest. Your body is fully relaxed. You've got these delta brain waves coming in. If you look at the next slide around the benefits of sleep, the stuff that is going on during NREM3 is incredible. Um, on the one hand, I mean, just look at some of these benefits here. You've got everything from um, cell regeneration to tissue repair to tissue growth to strengthening of the immune system. Um, there's this beautiful stuff that just happens. There we are. We've got the memory and, and building and waste disposal from the brain. I mean, God's repairing, fixing. Um, just the next slide around the glymphatic system. I like this slide because you've got these nice images of a broom a tap and a dustbin and then whatever that thing is on the top there. And the, the, the thing about this is like, it's like you can picture this army of, of little people coming in and going, sweeping out the damaged proteins, rinsing the brain, all right, getting all the, the broken stuff, the wasted, the, the wasted um, yeah, all that, what does it say? The diseased and damaged bits of protein, metabolic waste, uh, all, the, all the fluids that shouldn't be there. I mean, there's this, like this cleaning operation that's happening inside of your brain. Again, allowing us to, 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 to live well and to, to remain healthy. That's why the long-term implications of, of sleep deprivation are things like short-term cognitive functions, long-term memory loss, mood changes, weakened immunity, risk of diabetes, lower sex drive, risk of heart disease, weight gain, accidents. There's more accidents recorded due to drowsiness than there is to, to drunken driving. So when we sleep, we're fouling, we're hypnic jerking, all right? And then we are cleaning. And every time we do that, in two, three, two, one, two, throughout the night, there's this beautiful process going on inside of our brain. Just beautiful. Who wants to sleep more? Mm. I'm going to sleep now again. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be going on inside my brain. It's foundation to our vitality, to our capacity, to our ability to learn and grow and to develop. And it's not a luxury. This is an absolute necessity. We want capacity. But then we've got this REM sleep. And the REM sleep is where we dream. Physiologically, it's called rapid eye movement because that's what happens. Behind your eyelids, your eyes move rapidly. Rapid eye movement. Tiana, I hope I'm all right with this medical stuff here, by the way, and the other docs in the room. Okay. But your body actually paralyzes so that you don't act out your dreams, which is helpful. <laughs> it's about 10 minutes in the first cycle and then up to about 30. But on average, we can dream for almost one to two hours a night. And many of you all know that your, your dreams are, are, are quite random. You sometimes don't have a sense of time. They, they appear to be completely 
like disconnected. And that's because your cortex is shut down. Your cortex is where you process logical thought, where you think logically, that thing's shut down. And you are in this wild, untamed, weird territory. And it's fascinating. In the book, God's Forgotten Language by John Stanford, he wrote this. In 1960, Dr. Dement concluded that his, on his talk to American Psychiatric Association with the following words, we believe that if anybody were deprived of dreams long enough, it might result in some sort of catastrophic breakdown. Freud said dreams are the guardians of sleep. Dr. Dement's data would suggest that they are the very guardians of sanity. Well, what does this mean? Well, what they've discovered is that every time a person enters into REM, they, they have a, a, a decrease in the levels of something called, and I don't know why these words are always so long, no, no ren, norepinephrine, norepinephrine, something like that. That's the brain chemical associated with stress. It's the one linked to fight or flight. In other words, in REM sleep, the research is showing that you are essentially creating a safer environment for your brain to process trauma because of the decrease of that chemical, which produces stress. So there's more and more research going on around dreams and their ability to heal us emotionally or to bring therapy into our lives emotionally. Your brain is linking random events that have happened in your lives, creating, helping you make sense of things. That's unbelievable. God designed this. God designed this. The dream stage of sleep, based on its unique neurochemical composition, says Walker, this is the author of the book, The Why We Sleep, provides us with a form of overnight therapy I love this, a soothing balm that removes the sharp edges from the prior day's emotional experiences. It allows our brain to rebound after a long day. This is an inner release mechanism which essentially brings vitality back into our lives. Not only that, but it's also a place for creativity and problem solving. I met a guy, he, was, uh, uh, he actually is he's living in the States. I think he's from Durban. He's very prophetic, um, lives in the, in the USA. One night, he dreamt an algorithm that happened to be an algorithm that a U.S. tech-based company needed. And he gave them an algorithm which he got in a dream. I like that. I like that. How many of you remember the, the periodic table? <laughs> periodic table was developed by this guy called Mendeleev, right? Look at this thing. Look what he said. He spent three days trying to figure this thing out. He didn't sleep for three days. Eventually, he goes to sleep, and I saw in a dream a table where all the elements fell into place as required. The periodic table came from a dream. Yeah, why are we learning this? Who likes the Beatles? Who likes that song, Yesterday? You know that song? Yesterday, all my troubles seem so, yeah. So they interview Paul McCarthy, and he says this, I woke up with a lovely tune in my head. This is what he tells Barry Miles. I thought, that's great. I wonder what that is. There was an upright piano next to me to the right of the bed by the window. So I got out of bed, sat on the piano, found G, found F sharp minor seventh, as you do. <laughs> and that leads you through to B to E minor, of course, and then finally back to E. And it all leads forward logically. I like the melody a lot because I dreamed it. 
I couldn't believe that I'd written it. That song made him a lot of money. That algorithm probably would have made someone a lot of money. Guys, when we sleep, God's giving us solutions, solving problems, bringing creative thinking. We actually, we, we're trying to figure stuff out when we're awake. All you need to do is sleep. This should release us. I'm going to sleep. I wonder what problem I'm going to solve tonight. I wonder what solution God is going to give me. Not just for my own life, but for other people's lives as well. It's radical. I don't know. I know that it's complicated. I know, that, I, know, I know what it's like when you wake up. You go, I can't remember that dream. And it's, uh, but I think, I think, because someone challenged me on this the other day when I was talking about this. And I said, I think this is the mystery that God gives us so that we search after him. You know, when I've had, a, well, I've had someone who's had a dream that's involved me and has come to me and spoken to me about that, 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 that mystery has brought connection. It's when we go to someone else, I had this dream, I want to figure it out. I want to wait into it. I want to pray into it. God just doesn't give us these straightforward dreams like, hey, Travis, uh, this is what you need to do tomorrow, written in white on a black background in my head. It gives me this random weird thing. Like, what is that? It causes me to, to and when I wake up with that, that, that dream, I want to I wanna lean into, into God. And that's why he puts mystery into our lives so that we can lean into him. Let's not be scared of this. Let's explore it. Let's explore it. I think every nation has even got some, some, some material that we can push into around dream interpretation. Let's look at just dreams in the Bible before we talk about how to actually practically get more sleep. I mean, here you've got, so the Bible shows us that God um, speaks to us in our dreams. Right? We go right back to Numbers 12, 6. It says this, and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. There's God speaking about the fact that he will speak to people in dreams. God will speak to us in our dreams. And then he counsels us in our dreams. Psalm 16, 7 says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. So he's speaking to us at night through our dreams. He's counseling us at night through our dreams. And then the Bible even says that he warns us or he influences us to change behavior or even change direction in our dreams. Um, Job 1, uh, 33 verses 14 to 18. For God speaks in one way and in two, though a man does not perceive it, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, while they slumber on their beds, then he opens the ears of men, terrifies them with warnings that, he may, that they may turn aside from his deed and conceal pride from a man. He keeps back his soul from the pits, his life from perishing by the sword. Opens up our ears, warns us, influences. You know, I mean, just even in Jesus' birth, Joseph, in a dream, angel appears to him and says, flee to Egypt. In a dream. Flee to Egypt. So he's, he's warning us. He's, he's, he's directing us. He's, he's changing our direction. He's counseling us. He's speaking to us. He's giving us creative problems. Um, he's, he's helping us solve problems, sorry. Um, and then he even encourages us and gives us confidence through our dreams. This, this one for me blew my mind. Judges 7, 13 to 15. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley wheat was tumbling into the... A, just a loaf of bread was tumbling. This is the dream, a loaf of bread. So remember I said random here, hey? A loaf of bread, a barley, barley bread tumbling into the camp, and it came to the tent, and it struck it so that it fell and turned upside down. 
so that the tent lay flat. Okay, if you had that dream, you're a commander of an army, right? You've got a whole bunch of guys there about to fight, and you have this dream where you see a loaf of bread tumbling down a hill, hitting a tent, falling, and the tent falling. Would you get up and go to your army and say, hey, everyone, we're going to go and fight and we're going to win. You know why? Because in my dream, I saw a loaf of bread tumbling down a hill and it hit this tent. We sorted. We sorted. The bread told us. It was Logi Sasko. And it tumbled down. It wasn't white bread. It wasn't brown bread. It was low G- This was high quality, low GR bread. When Gideon heard the account of the dream, it wasn't even his dream. This is somebody recounting a dream. And his interpretation, he bowed in word. Gideon, this is, this is what I'm saying. They seem to know something about this dream thing. Where they paid so much attention to the fact that this dream, not even their dream, but they're, they're listening, perceiving, discerning. And in the midst of this conversation, while he's thinking about war, thinking about strategy, thinking about battle, someone recounts this dream about something as random, as, but, but it's not random because it came in a dream. And he knows that God says, I will direct you in a dream. I'll counsel you in a dream. I'll encourage you in a dream. I'll give you confidence in a dream. And so he goes back to his arm and he says, Arise, for the Lord has given us the camp of Midian. We've got to grab onto this. Waking up, arise because of this dream. Last one. God shapes destiny, positions people, changes society through dreams. Genesis 41, 1 to 7, you know the story. Pharaoh has these two dreams. They're standing by the Nile and seven cows sleeping. Again, you know, it's, it's random stuff. All right, seven cows, sleek and well-fed, came up from the river, began to graze amongst the reeds. And then another seven cows, sickly and thin. And then it says he woke up. Now we know. You have REM sleep just before you wake up. But then it says he fell back into sleep. So he went back into non-REM. And then back into REM sleep. And he dreamed a second time. Seven heads of grain, plump and ripe, came up on one stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. And then the thin heads of grain swatted up the seven plump ripe ones. And then Pharaoh awoke and realized it was a dream. Now we know the rest of the story. A little bit before that, he had thrown his chief baker and his chief um, eh, butler. Was this chief butler? Yeah, chief, chief cupbearer and chief baker into prison. And they were there with Joseph. They had dreams. Who interpreted the dream? Joseph did. Didn't end well for one of them. It, one of the interpretations was you'll be restored into your position and the other one was you're basically going to die. That happened. But they say to Pharaoh, well, because no one can interpret your dream, well, actually, we remember this guy in prison who interpreted a dream. Let's get him in. Joseph comes in. He interprets, his, he interprets the dream. And then what Pharaoh says to Joseph is, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my house, and all my people are to obey your commands. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. All of that for Joseph came through one thing, a dream, and the interpretation of a dream. A man who understood the mystery of God, 
who was able to listen to a dream and as random as it was, interpret it. And there's something about the gravitas of when we interpret dreams through the Spirit. And Pharaoh listened to that and went, there's something about this. I give this person a position. God influenced the entire word that we read. God influenced Joseph's life. Joseph's life put him in the right position through a dream. Are we convinced that we need to sleep? From hypnic jerks to filing to creative thinking to problem solving to brain sweeps to washing to cleaning and then to dreams, all of this happening while we sleep. And that's why my heart breaks for anyone who can't sleep. So let's talk about practically how to get more sleep and then we're going to pray for those that really do need prayer around this tonight. So there are some things that we can do practically when it comes to bringing more sleep into our lives. And these are just practical, kind of typical self-help things. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can practice them or right? you can try them. The one is that you dim your lights of your house a little bit before bed. You know, when we had kids, we like dim, the, get the environment. Sometimes we've got to do that for ourselves as well. Don't have this bright house all the time with lights on. Eskom also will, will, will be thankful. Dim the lights, prepare for a night's sleep. Remember that your eyes are taking cues from the external environment. All right? Stop looking at screens an hour before bedtime. And you can wear these glasses. I found these glasses to, um, the wife really loves them. So at night, you know, you know, if I'm watching a bit of TV, I put these glasses on. And when I, if I need to check my phone before bed, I'll look through these glasses. Because what the glasses is doing is it's removing the blue light that's coming from my screen going into my eyes. Because what the blue light does is it actually negatively impacts your body's ability to produce melatonin. So when we, I, I, I had a, one, one of, the, one of the, um, the ladies on my call the other day said she goes to bed at nine, but she falls asleep at one. It's really orange in here. It's beautiful. Um, she goes to bed at nine and she falls asleep at one. And so I said, what are you doing for the four or five hours, whatever it is? She says, well, I'm, I'm on my screen. So what she's doing is pumping blue light into her brain. I don't think the answer is to spend four hours on your screen with these glasses, but I'm just saying this, this is actually one of the answers. Right? This comes from the sleep doctor. There's a guy in Durban who sells them. If anybody wants to know more information, I'm not uh, in any way endorsing the product or connected to the profit margins <laughs> that, he, that he gets. Um, so that's another way. So stop watching, stop watching an hour before bed. Stop screen time an hour before. Dimming the lights. You can even get things like this, glasses, all right? And it's not just for screens. It's also for general light. Um, exercise that, and nutrition, okay, we, we don't need to go into that, but that's huge in terms of helping you to sleep. Avoiding alcohol and caffeine, especially for, before bed. You know that you can't go into REM sleep when you've got alcohol and caffeine in your bloodstream and your brain. And remember that alcohol is a half time, so when you've had your last sip of alcohol, half of that alcohol is still in your brain six hours after that sip. So for six hours after that, you're not going to enter into REM. Some people say, I need alcohol in order to go to bed. It's called a night cap. It does put you to sleep because it's a sedative, but it interrupts the flow of your sleep, and it limits you from going into REM. Caffeine does the same. I can drink a cup of coffee and go straight to bed. It doesn't affect my ability to fall asleep, but it affects the quality of my sleep. So let's just avoid those two. Um, 
And then we've got try not to lie awake in your bed for longer than 30 minutes. And really what that's about is for those of you who have battled to sleep, your bed has become a place that you associate with not sleeping. And so it becomes a habitual pattern. Sometimes what we've got to do is actually go into another room, dim the lights, read, get into it, whatever it is, get drowsy, and then try and go back to sleep and fall asleep and repeat that pattern if necessary. So there's some practical things that we can do in order to get more sleep. But I want to put up this next picture as the ultimate answer. That's the ultimate answer. That's the ultimate answer. We can, we can self-help this thing as much as we can. We can put these practical things in place. And so far, my little experiment, I, I do think it helps. Falling asleep with these things on. Well, not with them on. But the reason why Jesus slept is because he trusted in the Father. He had absolute confidence and faith in whose Father was. And he wasn't allowing the circumstances around him to impact his inner state, his heart, his mind. And I know what it's like. I know that when I enter into a place where my sleep is not good, it's because my mind has become arrested. Arrested by the stuff. What am I going to do with that? What about that thing going on with my kid? What about this? What about that? What about this? And there's mornings when I've woken up at 2 in the morning and I've started to think. And the more that I've started to think, the less I've been able to fall back asleep. And I find that the only way for me to be able to arrest that and go back to sleep is to pray. It seems like every time we come back to the Father, every time we come back to this thing of prayer, every time we come back to silence, solitude, meditation, gratitude, this is why this thing is an ecosystem. The more we build these things into our lives, the more we actually set ourselves up to embrace this thing that God gives us called sleep because our bodies just seem to be at a state of rest. And so when we look at that picture, it should challenge us because as Jesus said when he woke up, peace be still, and the wind ceased. And then he turned to the disciples and said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And as we invest in this, as we push into God, as we acknowledge the fact that we are spiritual beings with the Father in heaven who has all authority, all control, when we put our heads on the pillow at night, we put them down as sons and daughters with a father who does not sleep so that we can sleep. Let's stand. Let's pray together. Let's, let's let God release this over our lives a little bit. Let's close our eyes. Let's just let's I think as, as Wayne said earlier, this is the Holy Spirit working. This is so deeply personal. I really, I just, I, don't, I, know, I know that there's so many different reasons. Some of you might be struggling with this message because of, you're not sleeping because of past trauma. You're not sleeping because of um, fear around um, things, things going on in your life. You're not sleeping because of just the habit that was built when you didn't sleep when you had kids. There's so much here, and I can't see that, but God sees it. But I do know that God has a desire for you to sleep well. And, and this morning, we want to trust Him to release you into that. 
So with eyes closed here, if, if you are in this room and you struggle to sleep at night, won't you just raise your hand so I can see where you are? Okay, and then I'm going to ask you to, to just take one more brave step and ask those that, that can't sleep just to come to the front here. This is so important that we want to fight for it. Because we love you as a community and God loves you as a community. And then the rest of us, just, this is, if you feel comfortable, you can gather around the people in the front here, lay hands. But we're going to trust right now for a spiritual breakthrough to happen. I have a faith for every single person in the front here to go home tonight. And once that circadian rhythm reaches that time, once your adenosine level is built up, I have absolute faith tonight that you're going to sleep longer than you slept last night. And so, Father, we lift up every single person in the front of this room right now, and we pray, Lord God, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you will break over their lives, Father God, that your Spirit will fall over their lives right now, Father God, that you will remove every worry and every fear and every reason that is getting involved, getting in the way of this, I, sleep, I pray specifically now for sleep disorders, Lord God, that might be present in the hearts and the minds of anyone in this room right now, Father God, that that disorder will be taken away in the name of Jesus Christ. By your blood, that that disorder is taken away, Father God. We pray against insomnia. We pray against insomnia right now in your name, Father God. Insomnia has no place when the rivers of living water come into our lives, Father God. We pray for the rivers of living water to root out that insomnia, Father God. For those that have built a long habitual pattern of not being able to fall asleep, I pray that they will be able to fall asleep supernaturally faster than they've been able to sleep, fall asleep in the past, Lord God. I pray for a quality night's sleep over every single person that is standing here right now in your name, Father God. And over this church, may this be a church that sleeps well, Father God. Release quality sleep now over their lives. Release, release quality sleep right now over their lives, Father God. May it fill, fill from the mind all the way down through into their entire body, Father God. May they see you sleeping in that boat, Father God. Lord, where there's been long-term damage by the lack of sleep, we pray for a reversal of that, Lord God. Where things have been creeping in like dementia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Father God, we pray for a reversal of that right now, Father God. For the damage that might have been brought on these lives, Lord God. A reversal of that right now, Father God. As we prayed earlier, whole restoration, Father God. Whole restoration, Father God. Restore every single person that is standing here right now, Father God. Bring rest into their lives, Father God. We fight for their sleep. We fight for their sleep together, Lord God. We fight for their sleep. We pray and ask that you will let your daughters and your sons sleep as they come to you and as they cry out to you and as they ask, Lord God, for more sleep in their lives, Lord God. Pray for quality, quality sleep, Lord God. Fill them now, Lord. Fill them now, Father God. We thank you that you're over every detail of every person that's in this room, Lord. We thank you that you do not sleep so that we can sleep. We thank you that we can be confident in you, Father God, that we can trust you, Father God. Thank you that your word says that we can bring anxieties to you, 
that we can pray to you, Father God, and that you take those anxieties away, Lord God. Where we've been hanging on to stuff, just see chains being taken off people, where, where chains bound us. Just remove those chains right now, Father God. Remove those chains right now, Father God. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.